0: And welcome in to another episode of the Wanna Talk Sports Podcast. Kyle, we got a lot to catch up on today. There's been a lot that's happened in the past
1: week. Indeed, and uh, the NBA playoffs, man, they've been super exciting. The second round's gotten started. It's been fun. I know that you breathed a sigh of relief last week.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, seriously. Suns made it through the Pelicans. We thought it was going to happen. It did happen, but... They were a scary team. I got to give credit to that Pelicans team. They came to play. And I mean, obviously, Devin Booker was a huge, huge piece missing for us. But, like, that team was just scrappy. They were young. They came, were, <laughs> they were hitting their shots. So, were. I mean, we made it through the first round in six games. We, yeah. We made it through the first round.
1: I mean, I guess we just want to hop right into it. I mean, y'all dominated the Mavericks yesterday in a way that... And the final score is a little misleading. You guys won by seven, but you were in control of the entire game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, like, you guys dominated the Mavericks yesterday in a way you never dominated the Pelicans in no, that series. And,
0: no, not at all. And, and, yeah. And Luca dropped 45 yesterday. I know, like, and we still crushed them the whole game.
1: Yeah. I It... I mean, we were talking about this a little bit last week how you thought the Mavericks were a better matchup for the Suns. Explain that a little bit. Why do you think that?
0: So, so here's the thing. The Pelicans, as we saw, they have multiple players that could isolate and play great defense and the Mavericks really don't have that. I mean, I mean, Herb Jones really showed us that he might be one of the best like one-on-one perimeter defenders in the league and he was making great recovery plays well like on help defense. You also had Jose Alvarado who's just being a pest the entire series. They also have other good players as well as they have very good big men. So Jonas Valanciunas was a, I mean, he was a tough matchup for DeAndre Ayton, both offensively and yeah. defensively. We are a much bigger team than the Mavericks. Uh-huh. Like Mikael Bridges was guarding Luka all night and obviously Luka went off, but Luka was taking pretty much all of the shots for this team. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton, completely dominant underneath. I mean, they they have no one... Dwight Powell was the best person that they could put on DeAndre Ayton. He's just not big enough. And when he comes out and it's Maxi Kleba playing the five, I mean, DeAndre Ayton was just getting yeah. his way last night. So I, I think for those reasons, it's, it's a much better matchup. And, and now they have Luka, so obviously... I mean, it's hard to see them not taking at least one game, probably two, just because Luca is an absolute stud, like we saw last night.
1: I mean, I don't know, man. He dropped forty five and almost a triple double yesterday, and they still really weren't. They still really weren't close to beating the Suns.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that is true. The other players didn't really step up until the fourth quarter. Spencer Dinwiddie right. had basically no points until the fourth quarter. Jalen Brunson the same. Mm-hmm. And I expect them to play better. I also don't expect Luka to drop 45 every every single game. I will say, though, Maxi Kleba turned into freaking prime Steph Curry for about <laughs> 10 minutes in that game. When he came in in the first half and hit five threes, and he went five for six. He hit his first four threes, missed one, then made another one. But, yeah, he... He was the only player, as well as Luka, in that first half that did anything at all. But but yeah, the Suns really did look dominant. They were playing great defense. They, I mean, this is what I was saying, dude. Having Devin Booker, it's more than just his scoring. He put up 23 last night, but dude, the way we rotate is so much different. The way, I mean, our, our actual rotation of players is different. The way the ball is moved is just so much different. Like, we looked like the team, again, that that was the best team in the league. And
1: and we talked about this a little bit earlier today when we were getting ready for the podcast. But, I mean, the Suns play a very forward-heavy rotation. Right. Uh, They they really do believe in kind of that new-age thinking of, like, you know, versatile, long forwards who can knock down a three and defend. And obviously it's working for them. But you're right in that when you don't have Devin Booker, you sometimes have like four big men on the floor right which in today's nba as awesome as the long versatile bigs are in today's nba when you're facing guys like i mean even on the pelicans when you're facing guys like brandon ingram who can take you off the dribble um and stuff like that or cj mccollum a guy who can take you off the dribble that really just is not something that's super sustainable right so
0: i i will also say players like the Suns in that first round, they did not have very many players that were hitting their shots very well. Yeah, like Cameron Payne was playing really not not up to par, up to what we're used to seeing him play. Uh-huh. He was hitting shots last night, making good plays. You got players like Cam Johnson, who's one of the best three point shooters in the league. He he finished third in the league this year in three point percentage. He hit shots yesterday. Jay Crowder came out and had 11 points in the first quarter. Yeah. Like, like, players really that hadn't been able to shoot in that first round really stepped up, and, and it really made all the difference for the Suns. But, but yeah, like you said, I mean, they got Jay Crowder, they got Mikhail Bridges, they got Cam Johnson, and Torrey Craig, who are all these kind of 3-and-D yeah. long forwards, which make it really difficult on teams.
1: No, if 100%. I mean, because... When you have that many guys out there who are long and capable on defense, it's just so hard to run your offense in an efficient manner because they're everywhere. Like, those guys can literally cover so much ground, and they just cause so much disruption. Uh, moving on to the other, the series I am most interested in, uh, the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Oh, boy, man. I uh, I have to admit, that last game, I, I might have lost a couple years off of my life, but that, <laughs> Dude. that, that oh. game was nerve-wracking is all. I mean... First off, people are going to talk about the Steph Curry missed shots. They could have, to be expected, the <laughs> to be expected. But the thing that shocked me more was Klay Thompson missing both of his free throws. That, okay, guy, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> this is a guy who's been over 85% his entire career from the line. He's one of the best free throwers in all of basketball. and He missed both of his free throws. Maybe a side effect of not really taking that many free throws in the playoffs, but either way, he made up for it on the next possession because he got he helped Gary Payton get that clutch stop on jaw. But, my lord, this is going to be a very interesting series. It really does feel like the up-and-coming kids versus the more established group of vets who have done this before. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting about this game, Draymond gets ejected in the second quarter. Yep. Personally, I think it should have been a flagrant one. Yeah, I
0: think it should have been a flagrant one, yeah, too. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was <laughs> like... <laughs> There there was some of me that was like, Oh yeah, he really did like wind up and hit him and then like but the pull down I wasn't sure if it was intentional or not. And that's hard to did, know. Like as refs you don't really know if it was intentional yeah, or not. I mean But it kind of almost looked like he was trying to catch him.
1: Yeah, the, the way the way it looked to me was look, it's the playoffs first and foremost. Right. So you're gonna have harder fouls in the playoffs. It means more to these guys, yep. right? So he's trying to make sure that Brandon Clark doesn't get the and one. Yeah, and right? he did
0: whack him in the face. And he
1: did. 100% I think it should be a flagrant one. I mean, he yeah. hit him really hard, and then he did go down on the ground. But you could tell after the initial hit, which I don't think was like premeditated. I yeah, think yeah, it was yeah. honestly him just trying to stop him from getting an and one. Yeah, I'd agree. That when he kind of grabs the jersey, really he's trying to make sure that the, he doesn't like fall. Slam and like hit his, his head. head. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought too. Yeah. So I was
0: surprised when they upgraded to a flagrant two.
1: But, but my point being there is that... Even without Draymond, who I think we've seen in the Denver series uh, and even in the Warriors' regular season this year when he was out, how much the Warriors struggled, we've seen how crucial Draymond is to this team. I would argue almost as crucial as Steph is to this team.
0: I would disagree. Um, I think but, without Steph, this team is just well has no chance.
1: Uh, I still, think this, I still think the Warriors would have beaten the Nuggets without Steph. With okay, Steph. I,
0: I think they still would have beaten the Nuggets, but I don't think that's saying too
1: much, what, though. My point being is that Draymond's a very integral yeah, piece yeah, yeah. to the team, and uh, the fact that the Warriors were still able to pull out that victory on the road without Draymond, with the Grizzlies with the Grizzlies kind of having a parade to the free throw line there for a little bit, I think it bodes well for the Warriors for the rest of the series. I'm not going to go out there. There's some people on national TV who watch the game and all of a sudden are predicting sweep, which seems like a major overreaction to me. I still think the series goes six, uh, maybe seven, because I think the Grizzlies are that good. I think they're that good of a team. Um, but I still think the Warriors have the advantage here.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you. I, st- I still, I mean, I predicted it before uh, when we were making all of our playoff predictions. I predicted the Warriors to win the series. I think it's going to be a-, a hard-fought battle by both teams. But, I mean, this this game really did come down to the wire. Ja had, yeah. with three seconds left, he had a chance. He had a tough lefty layup over two guys. And, I mean, he he missed a shot. It could have gone down, though. could have gone Memphis's way, so I do expect them in Game 2 here to bounce back. Necessarily, do I think they're going to win? No, not necessarily, but I, I, it would not surprise me at all. I mean, it's hard to lose two games at home, especially now that they, they felt like they had this one in their grasp And they kind of choked it Uh, a little bit, too.
1: They're going to come out supremely motivated.
0: Yeah, so I I think this is going to be a good game, too, which is happening tonight. So you guys will already know what has happened once this podcast is released, once this episode is released. But yeah, I I expect it to be a great game.
1: Moving on to, I would say, the least interesting series of (laughs) of the semifinals. The 76ers and the Miami Heat. Mostly uninteresting because the best player on both teams is not going to play until at least Game 3, and probably not till Game 4.
0: Yeah, if you don't know, Joel Embiid has a right orbital fracture in his face, and he also has a concussion right now. So he missed Game 1. Miami kind of just... I mean, Miami's just so much better built of a team that without Joel Embiid, who is truly the focal point for this team... I mean, they didn't really stand a chance in this game. James Harden played decently. Yeah. He had some moments where he looked like prime Harden again. He also had some moments where it was like, well, he's definitely not as quick as he used to be. But, yeah, I don't know. If this team's going to have any chance, Harden's going to have to do something else in game two here. He's really going to need to step up.
1: Honestly... Just the overall like emotional letdown of not having Joel Embiid, because Joel Embiid is more than just the best player on this team. He's the heart and soul of this team. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you're right, I don't think James Harden is the same James Harden that he used to be. I mean, last year he only, I mean, sorry, yesterday he only scored 16 points. That was third best on the Sixers. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who a couple years ago was considered maybe one of the top five best players in the game. Yeah. And uh, for him to only drop 16 in a game one playoff series, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I really think the only chance the 76ers have is if Embiid comes back in Game 3 and they're able to ride that momentum to a couple wins on home court. Yep. If not, though, you're right. I mean, the Miami Heat, they really do kind of remind me quite a bit of the uh, Phoenix Suns in that they are just a really well-put-together team with a lot of scrappy defenders, guys who can make shots. They like, they, they really are the definition of just, uh, a, a, just a very well-put-together squad. And so... I, I really, unless Joel Embiid comes back in Game 3 and just goes absolutely nuts, I expect the Heat to win this series. Honestly, at this point, probably in five.
0: Yeah, and I mean, credit where credit's due, the, Miami played a great game here. Ba- Bam on really had a great game. Uh, put up 24 points and a handful of rebounds to go with that and a handful of assists. I mean, Bam played great, and and they won this game without Kyle Ra- Lowry, who is a big player on this team. Yeah. Um, but I mean... They're just so much deeper than the Sixers. The Sixers do have Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, who both played great. But, I mean, the Heat got Jimmy Butler. They got Bam Adebayo. They got Tyler Hero, who just won Sixth Man of the Year today, who had a great game himself. They got Victor Oladipo. This is just a team that... I mean, it's just difficult for this 76ers team to compete. So Yeah, they just yeah, come out even waves. Yeah, they, they are a very, very strong team, and definitely someone that that can compete for this title, it's looking like. so For es- sure. Especially when Kyle Lowry comes back, gives them a, someone who can really facilitate the ball for them.
1: As- especially when I'm looking at that other series, that Celtics-Bucks series, which, by the way... Bucks did win game one, but as of right now on this show, the uh, Celtics are beating the Bucks by 20 in the third quarter, so we expect the Celtics to pull that one out, um, unless there's a huge comeback, which don't rule out. It's happened before in the NBA playoffs. But, it did. But I really think that Bucks Celtics series is destined to go seven, and I think it's going to be a hard fought series. And honestly, the Heat are probably going to have an advantage because they're going to be able to th- win this Sixers series, unless NB comes back and goes crazy pretty quickly. What's interesting about this Bucks Celtics series is that Game One, Giannis dominated, absolutely yep. dominated. It looked like the Celtics had no answer for him.
0: Yep. No Chris Middleton.
1: Yeah, but with that being said, Tatum and Jalen Brown did not play their best games no, any not, of game. No, not
0: not at all.
1: And what you're seeing in this Game Two is really the opposite. Jalen Brown on yeah.
0: absolute tear. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that when you really talk about teams that are playing the Bucks. The only way that you can really beat the Bucs... I mean, look last year at the team that came closest to being the Bucs. It was the Brooklyn Nets. You have to have a guy who can really consistently disrupt Giannis. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Durant was able to do that because Kevin Durant is debatably one of the best players in all of basketball. Yeah. I mean, not debatably. He is one of the best players, yeah, players yeah, in all of basketball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One. But I think that the key in this series is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playing this well. And not only on offense, but being able to disrupt Giannis on defense as well
0: yeah absolutely and what hasn't been said yet is they're winning by 20 right now without Marcus Smart who's arguably the best defender on this team actually not arguably he just won defensive player of the year however he's not going to be the person that's matching up one-on-one versus Giannis but I mean against Drew Holiday against other players on on the Bucks. I mean Marcus Smart's a huge piece for them so he's currently out right now with a concussion uh, he, he should be back later on in this series. Um, it may be another game or so before he comes back. But yeah, I mean, Celtics came out and just looked absolutely dominant. Jalen Brown had 14 points within the first nine minutes in the first quarter. He, he started out the game only missing one shot uh, in the first half. So he has really come to play right now. I'm not sure exactly how many points he has right
1: now. Uh, who? Jalen Brown. Yeah, Jalen Brown's got twenty five and twenty six minutes right
0: now. Yeah, twenty five points and twenty six minutes. So he he came to play. They they didn't want to lose two games here on home court. So it's looking like they're not going to. Who who do you think's gonna end up winning this series though? Because this this I think is the one that's most hotly contested.
1: Yeah, I, ooh, this is a, such a toughy. Look, uh, I really think that if Chris Milton were on the Bucks, I think. The Bucks, in my opinion, would be the clear favorites to win this series. Are the defending champions? Having Middleton such a big part of their offense, the way it is right now, I really wanted to see how the Celtics responded in this game. I really, I I thought it was at really, really funny. A lot of the media pundits who were coming out and saying that, oh, the Celtics have no answer for Giannis. This right. is going to be a clean sweep. <laughs> it, uh, the those the. Obviously, those people don't pay enough attention to playoff basketball.
0: There's also a reason why they're doing stuff on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
1: It's true. Honestly, right now, I think I'm going to go with Celtics in seven. The way they responded in this game gives me a lot of hope for them. Middleton's not coming back anytime soon. They're going to have game seven on their home court. It's gonna be a tough fought series. I think that it could go either way, but I'm gonna go Celtics in seven right now.
0: Okay, I I th- I still am gonna stick with the Bucks here. I mean, maybe I'm just scarred a little bit from last year. <laughs> I don't really want to doubt Giannis right now, but because uh, I feel like if I doubt him now, then he's just gonna elevate and beat the Suns again. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stick with the Bucks. Cause I mean that that's a tough stadium to play in at down in mil or up in milwaukee i guess (laughs) up in milwaukee is a tough place to play i don't know it's gonna be a great series i hope it goes to seven i really really do because i'd love to see i'd love to see a do or die for both these teams final game yeah in the td garden
1: yeah i mean we really i think we're blessed in that most of the places where the playoffs are still going on are really good basketball atmospheres. Yeah, true. TD Garden would be a great place to have Game 7. Fizzier Forum, like you said, those Milwaukee fans are crazy. We all know how great Warriors fans are. Suns fans have really shown out over the last couple years. Come on! Like, it's It really is a great... It It, it really is... There's a lot of great organizations and great atmospheres that are still in the playoffs. Absolutely, really fun.
0: Absolutely. Well,
1: we're gonna switch gears here to a couple of other sports. I'm gonna give Rylan a lot of time here to talk about the NFL draft because he sounds like he's really excited. But first, we're gonna run through a few MLB storylines. Thing about Major League Baseball is that it's such a long season that, like you know, we're kind of at that point in the year where everyone's kind of settled in. So we have a few storylines here, but nothing too crazy. Trevor Bauer. Was suspended for two years. I would say
0: this is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's fair. Yeah, I mean he was accused of sexual assault, so it may, makes sense that he got suspended for two years. And I don't know all the details here. Maybe you know a little bit more than I do.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because he hasn't been found guilty in criminal court. Yet. Right. He's still kind of going through like the the criminal process, but MLB apparently they did their own investigation and apparently decided that. They didn't want Trevor Bauer around for the next two years. Yep. Which is fair. I mean, the guy was always kind of an asshole, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like so you can kind of see it coming. But uh, but yeah, so Trevor Bauer suspended for two years. Really, a major fall from grace from a guy who won the Cy Young in twenty twenty, signed a huge contract with the Dodgers before last year, and really was looking one of like one of the best pitchers in baseball yep. last year before his suspension. Absolutely. So. Um, you know, I guess karma really does hurt. Uh, the Clayton Kershaw and some other Dodgers news. I, I mean, like, I guess that's just what we're talking about here. Dodgers news against my, you know, dying breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw, he, uh, became the Dodgers all-time strikeout leader with his 2,697th strikeout. It's, the other day, it I
0: seems know. only right. It does. Kershaw's such a staple of this franchise that it's good to see him get that, get that.
1: It's crazy though because like this is an organization that's got guys who's who's produced pitchers like Fernando Valenzuela, yep. Sandy Koufax, Don Sutton. Like these are all some of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball history. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's inarguable that Clayton Kershaw is also one of the best pitchers in <laughs> yeah. League baseball history. So congratulations to Clayton Kershaw. And it's been a nice it's been a nice time to be an LA and New York baseball fan. Both New York teams and both L.A. teams currently hold the four best records in Major League Baseball, <laughs> which, I mean, kind of This sucks. is
0: why there needs to be a salary cap, <laughs> because when it's just the royalty tax, then all these massive markets can just buy the best teams. And I digress.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... You know, of the four organizations over the last ten years, only the Dodgers have won the World Series, and that one didn't count anyway. So, <laughs> the, the uh, so New York and L.A. I mean, they're having a good year right now, but you know they've struggled a bit over the last decade. Sure, yeah,
0: that's fair enough. Yeah,
1: so in you know the New York Yankees have won ten straight. They're seventeen and six. The Mets are seventeen and eight. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are fourteen and seven. They head into a really interesting two-game series against their arch-rivals, the San Francisco Giants, my San Francisco Giants this week, so we'll see. The Giants are struggling with some COVID issues right now, which could put a damper on the festivities. Uh, and then, of course, the Angels, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, fun team to watch. They're 15-9, and, and they're <sighs> in the West right now Yeah. Uh, because the Mariners have fallen off quite a bit. Yeah,
0: Mariners have had a tough road go the past week or so, week or two maybe even at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not, been, it's not been the best 10-game stretch for them. I believe they were 5-5 five and five over the last 10 games, which eh, isn't great. But, you know, it, it's a long season, like you said. It's a marathon, not a sprint, so hopefully they kind of get things back together when they're coming home this weekend.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we head into May here with baseball, and May is really defined. May is an interesting month of the season because it's far enough into the season where you can keep track of stats, and stats really mean something. But it's still early enough in the season to where you know don't freak out too much guys like if your team is on top of the standings don't freak out too much if your team's on the bottom of the standings unless you're the reds because the reds it's going to be a dark season for the reds they're three and 19 but if you're <laughs> if you're uh, unless you're a reds fan don't overreact it's still may a lot of things are going to figure themselves out i mean for a lot of these contending teams the best player on your team i'm and on your team yet because the trade deadline's so big for major league baseball so uh, I would say May is really fun because we still have the freshness of the season without uh, a lot of the pressure yet of uh, a lot of those playoff runs or just knowing that you suck. So with that being said, I'm going to hand it off to Ryland, who has a lot to talk about as far as the NFL draft is concerned. Oh,
0: the NFL draft, one of my favorite times of the year, and it came and it has gone, and it was it was one of the more interesting drafts we've seen in a while because we had talked about this beforehand, This this first overall pick, we thought... We knew who it was going to be. And we were wrong. It, it really was a class where we weren't sure what was going to happen. And the Jacksonville Jaguars really took a risk with this first-round pick. They, went, they shot for potential instead of taking Aiden Hutchinson, who really looked like a surefire thing. And they went and took Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia, with the first overall pick. And this dude's a freak athlete, Kyle. And, and I think he could be a stud. But this is really surprising. It it always surprises me when a player like this who really shot up the draft board post-college season, like in the past month or so, he went from being projected like in the middle of the first round all the way to being taken number one overall. And something like that always kind of, I don't know, It it's always kind of scary to me. I, I don't think this was necessarily the best first round pick that the Jaguars could have taken because... Well, he could end up being a stud, he looks like he has the tools to be a stud. I mean, with the first overall pick, you really don't want to be taking too much risk. And Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson looked like a surefire star. Especially
1: if you're the Jaguars and you've been stuck in football purgatory for most of the last 20 years. Besides yeah. that one year they made to the AFC Championship. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: So... I don't know this. This was a really funky draft. Aiden Hutchinson went number two overall to the Lions. I think the Lions had a great draft. They picked up Aiden Hutchinson. They also got Jamison Williams, wide receiver. They traded up back into the first, or they traded up in the first round to go and get him. And, and I think it was a great decision for them, pairing him with a Ross St. Brown. Give Jared Goff a couple more tools. Now, obviously, Jared Goff, they don't want to be their quarterback of the future, but. <laughs> I mean, give whoever is that quarterback of the future some more tools to go with it. And he could very well end up being the best receiver this draft.
1: What are your thoughts on uh, the Seahawks not taking a quarterback?
0: (laughs) You guys have heard me talk about this for maybe the past three weeks. No, probably longer than that. We've talked about Malik Willis for a while now. And hallelujah, we did not take a quarterback. I, I think the Seahawks had a fantastic draft. Now, I I don't think their team's going to be all that much better because of the draft this year because they really went and built up their trenches, which I think is going to be huge for us in the future. With the first overall pick, we took Charles Cross, who I think inarguably is probably the best pass blocker of this entire draft. Mm -hmm. He's going to be our left tackle for hopefully a long time to come. He's going to be blind or guarding the blind side, which is so huge for, well, most quarterbacks, if if they're right-handed. Um, so I think that was a fantastic pick. They finally, finally, for the first time in what seems like forever, didn't try to get a little bit too tricky with the <laughs> with their first overall pick. So I was really happy with that. They went and then took Boye Mafe, who is an edge rusher out of Minnesota. Um I think this kid really could be a stud. He is super super athletic and he really relies on his speed in a lot of ways to um to beat linemen, which I think is great that he has the ability to ability to do that. In looking more into his film, I think I just want to see him like be able to use his hands a little bit more. Maybe if he could develop like a spin move, I think that would be really helpful cuz Truly, he just tries to burst past uh, linemen, and sometimes he'll get caught on them because of that. Because sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes you can't just outrun them. So, um, but I, I think he could end up being great. Kenneth Walker was Kenneth Walker was the one pick that I think we kind of. I don't know. It it's interesting. We took running back Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem like we need a running back because we have Chris Carson, who I think inevitably is going to get cut now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we re-signed Rashad Penny for a one-year deal. So He,
1: he had a great year at Michigan State, though, last year. Jeff oh, Walker. I ab- mean, he was fantastic.
0: Absolutely. He's a stud of a player, and I think in a vacuum he's a great player. Do we necessarily need him? No. He also it doesn't run with the running style that we typically run, which is ground and pound. He's yeah. He's very fast, and he's very explosive. He had 18 touchdowns last year at Michigan State. I'm really excited to have him on our team, but I think we potentially could have filled other uh, holes with this pick. But you know that hopefully he ends up being a stud. I'm absolutely rooting for him. Our our last few picks that I'm just gonna mention: Abraham Lucas, mm-hmm. uh, right tackle out of Washington State, another just fantastic pass blocker. So those tackle positions hopefully should be shored up for the next for for the next quite a while. I, I mean, whoever is going to be our quarterback of the future, which we probably won't see until next year. Um, I mean, it's looking like it's looking like they're gonna have some finally good pass blocking, which Russell Wilson never had.
1: It's incredible to me that Malik Willis was being talked about in the number nine spot, and he fell all the way to the third round the, <laughs> for the Titans. I mean, like that kind of I kinda, I, th- I think that definitely shows you that a lot of teams <clears throat> are scared by just how raw he is. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't have a ton of experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this wasn't something that honestly was all that surprising to me. I. I said last week I don't think a quarterback deserves to be taken in this first round. Now, one did in Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was the only... Kenny Two Gloves. Kenny Two Gloves, (laughs) ACC Player of the Year, uh, was taken in the first round, 20th overall by the Steelers, and it makes sense. They want a quarterback that can win now, and Kenny Pickett is the most ready to step into the NFL and try to win now with that great Steelers defense. But, I mean...
1: That that Kenny Pickett-Mitch Trubisky quarterback, uh, oh. quarterback competition is about to be really zesty. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's...
0: <laughs> I forgot they have Mitch Trubisky, man. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe Kenny Pickett completely just destroys my expectations. Yeah. I, I expect him to be a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I don't expect him to be anything all that crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but hey, the Seahawks got two more players that I'm actually really excited about. They drafted Kobe Bryant, who cornerback out of Cincinnati. Awesome name, of course. But also, I think he, I think he could be like one of the steals of the draft. This guy, the year before, uh, was thought of as the number one cornerback in the Cincinnati team, where Sauce Gardner, who got drafted number fourth overall by the Jets, uh, was his teammate. They are both great players, but I mean, Kobe Bryant clearly went significantly further down, but I think he's a stud. He's very athletic. He's long. He's lanky, and I think he could end up being a great player for us and really, really ended up being a great pick here, and then with our fifth overall pick, we took Tariq Woolen out of USTA, mm-hmm. which Tariq Woolen is 6'4 and ran a 4 to 8 40 yard or 426 40 yard dash. Wait, I need to check this real quick, but he is so fast. Like this kid, if he can end up doing anything, he could end up being so good because he's a great open field tackler. Cause I mean the dude's six foot four. And so if if he ends up shaping up, this dude's so freaking athletic that yeah, he ran a four two six forty, which is tied for the fourth best of all time. Wow! And he was a fifth round pick, and he is six foot four. So he's just an absolute stud of an athlete.
1: You're doing exactly what a rebuilding team should do. It's just stockpile as much talent as possible. Yeah, uh, and yeah, some other interesting stuff that happened. I mean, because a lot of interesting stuff happened this draft. Uh, Hollywood Brown, he got traded to the Cardinals, which caused a bit of a stir in the Ravens organization. Yeah, And it looks like the Cardinals are going to need Hollywood Brown for the first six games because DeAndre Hopkins got suspended for uh, some PED use. (sighs) Um, But Hollywood Brown, we were talking about one of the most electrifying athletes at the wide receiver position. And it'll be really interesting to see how he melds with A.J. Green, how he melds with DeAndre Hopkins when he actually can play. Yep, And and then, uh, I mean, Kyler Murray, this is a guy who the – the Cardinals are trying to convince him to sign an extension, long term, and Kyler Murray's had some uh, trepidation. But getting a weapon like Hollywood Brown, maybe that I mean, these are guys who were teammates in college too; they're good friends. Maybe yep. that convinces Kyler Murray to stick around a little longer. And then, of course, the AJ Brown trade, which I I, I mean, personally, that shocked the hell yeah out that of
0: me. that was that was so surprising I to know. me.
1: Like, I mean, like the Titans. You, the Titans, arguably had two of the best receivers in football, Julio Jones and AJ Brown. And to trade him away, I don't know, man. That seems a, that seems a little tough.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, I mean, the Eagles really are going all in on Jalen Hurts this year. They, I mean, last year they drafted Devonta Smith with a very high overall pick. They just brought in AJ Brown with a and they signed him to a massive contract too they they gave him a 100 million dollar contract which i mean is one of the largest for a receiver in, in the entire league right now and so this is really going to be a season where i mean it's it's do or die now for Jalen Hurts he's got to show up he's got to do his thing and and if he doesn't well then i mean it might be it might be the end of his era there cuz they're they're really giving him the weapons to go out and try to try to win now. Try to be a good. I mean, they want more than just a good quarterback. They they want a top quarterback in the league, and yeah. and Jalen Hurts hasn't quite showed that yet, mm-hmm. but he has showed shown flashes of being really good. So this is a this is a really interesting trade. And then the Titans went and took Traylon Burks, a wide receiver out of Arkansas, who's. A little bit bigger than A.J. Brown, I think, is going to end up trying to be their replacement for... AJ, I mean, obviously, he's trying to be their replacement mm-hmm. for A.J. Brown, which I always have a little bit of a problem with uh, like with teams trading away a superstar and then drafting the same position player with that pick. Because yeah. it's like, A.J. Brown, one of the best receivers in the league. Traylon Burks very well could end up being a great receiver, but like that you're instantly giving him such big shoes to fill, yeah. like, and, and then you get those comparisons, it's like, it. sometimes it can be hard, and and obviously, I mean, that shouldn't really affect anything, if he's going to be good, he should be good anyway, but, I mean, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I don't necessarily love that, that's why I'm happy we didn't go and take a quarterback with, well, that and many other reasons <laughs> is why I'm happy we didn't draft Malik Willis. Drew
1: Locke, baby! Drew Locke!
0: I think, I, I honestly do think Geno Smith is going to be our starter okay. this year. Um, I mean, just based off of experience, he knows the system already. I think Drew Locke probably will get a chance. We'll probably see him for at least some games. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Geno. Or, hey, maybe it ends up being uh, Jacob Eason, I think, is our third overall or our third quarterback?
1: Hey, I mean, the 49ers, man, they drafted their quarterback of the future as uh, with their Mr. 262nd overall pick. We got Brock Purdy. Um, the Niners had a very interesting draft. They they really kind of follow the philosophy that they've been using since uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have taken over. They started off with, because we didn't have a first-round pick. Right. We used our second-round pick on a pass rusher out of uh, USC. Got another running back because Kyle Shanahan loves having as many running backs as possible. Yeah. Because like, uh, chances are with the offense that he runs, three out of four of them are gonna get hurt. Yep. <laughs> so, Every year. And so, um, and then of course we got another wide receiver, Danny Gray, which is interesting considering all the Debo Samuel stuff. And then you know we we went and got some depth uh, at the O line position with a couple of picks. Yeah. Uh, later in the draft.
0: And and speaking of the Debo Samuel stuff, there were talks about him being traded during the draft. Luckily for you, that didn't happen. But it doesn't sound like things are any better. He said he's planting his flag. He, he's still saying he firmly wants to be traded. What are you thinking about this? I know that hurts.
1: It's tough. I mean, we're living in an era in professional sports where it really is a player-dominated era where Absolutely. players can kind of do whatever they want, really. And so I think he eventually gets traded because I just don't think the 49ers are going to be able to, even if he does show up, like, it's just going to be such a toxic atmosphere. I think he does get traded. With that being said, I think what the 49ers are doing, which has been good, which, I mean, it's tough for me to say because they haven't done much good over in this situation over the last few months, is they have, they have pretty much put the message out there that they're not giving this guy away for peanuts. Right. Like, they're going to get a haul for this guy. It's going to be interesting to see which team decides to make that decision and which team decides to give up that much to try and get a Debo Samuel. I mean, like, if you're a Super Bowl contender and you have the opportunity to get Debo Samuel, this could be a guy who could take you over the, over the top and yeah. take you to the next level. And so, it'll be interesting. I think the Niners are only going to trade Debo Samuel if they can get two really good draft picks and if they can get one or two guys who are, like, ready. Like, wh- one or two guys, definitely at the wide receiver position, but maybe at other positions as well, who are good solid NFL players and who are ready to contribute now because the 49ers still think of themselves as a Super Bowl contender as they should they have right. a great defense
0: two quarterbacks I mean that's better than one <laughs> that right That's true
1: two quarterbacks who in theory could both <laughs> get you to the Super Bowl I don't know um but yeah I mean it is crazy though to think that Debo Sano could get traded before Jimmy Garoppolo which I don't think <laughs> any of us thought coming seriously not coming. but yeah you know Devo, please stay I won't call you anything racist like other Niners fans. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah.
0: Well, a couple more interesting things I just wanted to mention. Drake London was taken eighth overall. He was the first receiver out of this class, which was a really good class, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. I I had Garrett Wilson going here uh, to the Falcons because, well, now the Falcons have a receiver. They no longer have Olamide Zaccheaus as their number one overall receiver. Um, so that's good. Hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully the Falcons, um, no, I don't know. Falcons will be all right. They also drafted Desmond Ritter, which is going to be interesting. Who says he's going
1: to win them a Super Bowl.
0: Says he's going to win them a Super Bowl. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, they got rid of Matt Ryan. They needed somebody. So they took Desmond Ritter. It looks like he, I mean, as, as of right now, he's the quarterback of the future. So he was taken in the second round. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I will also say Jets. Fans, you should be happy with your draft. You guys had a very, very good draft this year. You got Sauce Gardner, who arguably could be one of the safest picks in this draft. I'll knock on wood for you guys, all the superstitious (laughs) people out there. But then you guys got Garrett Wilson, who, in my opinion, was the best receiver in this class. You took him 10th overall. Then you guys went and traded back into the first round and got Jeremiah Johnson the third, who's a great edge rusher, really. I mean... He, he was projected to potentially go top 10, top 15. You got him like 23rd, 24th overall, so great value with that pick. And then you went and got the best running back in, in the class too. So, I mean, Zach Wilson now has more weapons. Your defense should be better. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Your offensive line should be good, should be healthy next year. The Jets could be trending in the right direction finally. Finally, since the Curtis Martin days, man, yeah, it's been it's been a while for, for the Jets and the Jags.
1: But remember one very important thing, and it's the same thing I'm saying to Mets fans right now, even though they look really good at the beginning of the season. The Jets are still the Jets. The
0: Jets are still the Jets. JTS <laughs> Jets, 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 but you still guys will probably only win five games, so...
1: You know, I think they got a ceiling of within the next five years making it to the wild card round. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the next in the next
0: five years, once they cut Zach Wilson. Yeah,
1: once they cut Zach Wilson and decide to, I don't know, sign Brock Purdy as their starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> what What are the chances Brock
0: Purdy ever plays a game in the NFL? Over
1: under. In the age of COVID, although I guess this is I guess this is out of the window because NFL isn't testing anymore, but. I, I will say that that in the age of COVID, we saw a lot of six and seven. I mean, do you remember the Ben DiNucci?
0: Oh day, I oh boy do boy do I remember <laughs> Ben DiNucci
1: <laughs> when he was the fourth string quarterback for yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, that's and true. Playing. But but we're kind
0: of post COVID days. It feels like now. So I don't know.
1: I I, I I'm gonna say I'll give Brock Purdy. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over
0: over on, under one and a half games in his entire career that he starts.
1: I'm gonna go on the record. And say that he starts two games in his NFL career. So
0: over one and a over. half games.
1: And okay. I think what's going to happen, he's not going to start with the Niners, but he'll catch on at some practice squad somewhere okay. on a team that's absolutely terrible. So probably the like Jets. the Jaguars or the Jets okay. or even the Seahawks this year. Whoa, <laughs> and,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. And like
1: week 16 or 17, they're going to throw him out there and mm. he'll get destroyed and then he won't be heard of again.
0: Brock Purdy. <laughs> All right, you heard it here. Go bet Brock Purdy over one and a half games. I'm... I'm almost 100% confident you would find that line absolutely nowhere. But, <laughs> you know, it, it would be a funny one if you could. Hey, you always got to root for Mr. Irrelevant, though. I'm
1: buying a Brock Purdy 49ers jersey. Let's, let's get No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would
0: be so funny. If, if Brock Purdy wins you a Super Bowl, though, you'll buy his jersey.
1: Oh, okay. I'll put this on the record. If Brock Purdy leads the 49ers to a Super Bowl... I will get his name tattooed on my right bicep. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, Brock. I'm rooting for you now.
0: I'm rooting for you, Brock. And now all you guys heard that too. So now, I mean, hey, that's on the record. Yes, can't that ta- is on the record. Can't take that away Can't now. take
1: that away. And I think that's the perfect way to finish. I think that's the
0: perfect way to finish. Brock Purdy, be our hero. <laughs>
1: all right, guys. It was a great podcast. We'll see you all next week. We'll
0: see you next week. Have a good one.